I have a question for you today. Do you like to travel? Do you like to go on trips? Well, I certainly hope so, because we are on a fantastic expedition with none other than Paul, the apostle. And he also was one of the greatest minds that has ever lived. Paul is taking us on a theological, yet very practical journey into the heart and mind of God. Paul is so passionate about our walk with Christ that he has even made up some new words as signposts to keep us excited about all that is ahead. This is Carol McLeod, and you're listening to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I hope that you will join me every week for encouragement, wisdom, and hope that only come from the Bible. We're studying the book of Ephesians together, and wow, this New Testament book is filled to overflowing with the hope that we need for today. But before we dig in, let's review Paul's inventive words. First of all, there was the word sizopoyeo, and this is what sizopoyeo means. It means you used to be dead meat, but now you are alive and well. You didn't have a pulse, and now you are jumping for joy. Boy, you have been sizopoyeoed. Things like this don't just happen. When was the last time you saw somebody raised from the dead? If something is alive, it can die. But how is something that is dead, which is what you were, brought back to life? It's a miracle. It's something only Jesus can do. The second Greek word that Paul made up is the Greek word sinagiero, and it means raised up together with Christ. Now, There was a word, a Greek word that meant raise up, and it was sometimes used of the resurrection, but not in this case. This is the same term that was used of the ascension. You were not raised up to continue to live a human life. You were raised up to live a heavenly life while you're breathing oxygen. It's a miracle. Only Jesus can do that. And the final word that Paul introduced us to in Ephesians chapter 2 is the word synkathizo. And synkathizo means that you're seated right beside Jesus Christ. The best seat in the house is yours as you travel through life. You have his perspective, his point of view. You'll see what he sees, and it's a seat of revelation. So, in review, you have been sizopoeod, you have been sinagierod, and you have been synkathizod. And why did all of these miraculous things happen to us? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, and we can learn the answer to that question by reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. So that in the ages to come, Christ might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So verse 7 starts out by saying, so that in the ages to come. Now remember, Ephesians was written at the very first part of the first century. What was Paul talking about when he said, so that in the ages to come? He was talking about us. He was talking about life Now, we live in the ages to come that Paul and the Holy Spirit were talking about, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That is happening now. 
Now he is showing the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Make no mistake about it. God, your Father, the creator of the universe, is the kindest being to ever have lived. The way that God the Father reveals his kindness toward you and me is by lavishing kindness on your life in Christ. We don't serve a cruel God. He is kind. Now, in verse 7 that we just read, Ephesians 2, 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show. This word show was a legal term, and it was the term when a lawyer would produce a piece of visual evidence in order to prove his points. So our lives are the show and tell of God's kindness. God wanted to show off his kindness, and he did it in you. We are here to show to reveal, to display, to demonstrate God's eternal kindness. We are exhibit A of God's mercy, grace, and kindness. So make sure that you're being kind today. When you when you have a choice of whether to be kind or cruel, just say, I'm in the family business. I'm kind like my dad is kind. I speak kind words. I exhibit kind heart attitudes. My hands always do kind actions. Now, the next three verses in Ephesians chapter 2 will help you to understand your salvation and your calling. It's a bit of a tightrope, but if we didn't study it, we might think that it was a contradiction, but it's not. The next three verses are truth and they are liberty. So let's dig in by reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. My friend, you are saved if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart, and you believe that by faith. If you have repented from your sins, asked Jesus to forgive you, and invited him to come in, you are saved, and you believe by faith that it has happened to you. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it, nor did you deserve it. You were given it, and you accepted it by faith. You can't boast about salvation because it was a free gift. Your works had absolutely nothing to do with it. I want you for just a moment to think about the thief on the cross beside Jesus Christ He didn't have an opportunity to do anything good at all. And yet Jesus said to him, today, will you be with me in paradise? I want you to think about Paul. He was a mass murderer, and yet he was saved on his way to assassinate more Christians. Did Paul deserve it? No. Did he earn it? No, emphatically no. And neither do you and neither do I. And so salvation is a free gift, and we receive it by faith. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And now comes the part in verse 10, Ephesians 2.10, that might confuse you because you might wonder, wait, wait, we were just talking about grace, about faith, about salvation, about not boasting, about how our works didn't save us. And now we're talking about works? Well, before we read verse 10, let, let me tell you a story. 
I loved my children before they pooped, burped, or made their beds. I treasured them before they slept all night, before they were potty trained or earned an A in calculus. I adored them before they could spell C-A-T, before they unloaded the dishwasher and before they learned to play the piano. I was head over heels in love with my kids before they ever scored a point in basketball, before they ever read a book and before they were ever kind to a friend. I loved them unconditionally and fully, but they weren't created just to sit in my lap every day. They weren't created for me to rock them to sleep every night of their life or for me to look adoringly into their precious blue eyes. My children were created for destiny. And when a baby is about two years old, you realize they can do a whole lot more than just hang out in my arms. They can fold the clothes that I've washed. They can put their toys away. They can share. And as they grow, the list grows longer because... We're producing productive kids. We want them to invest their talents in the world around them. When my two oldest boys were beginning their adolescent years, Matt was probably 12 years old and Christopher was probably 10, Craig's dad, who was a very quiet man, uh, phlegmatic, really didn't talk much, he pulled me aside one day and he said to me, Uh, Carol, you're a wonderful mom, but you need to teach your boys how to work. And so he took it upon himself to teach the boys to be hard workers. You know, I loved my boys before they knew how to work, and so did their grandfather. But we wanted them to have a life beyond their blue gingham nurseries. So now that I've told you that story, let's read Ephesians 2.10. And let me just tell you, I love this verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are God's workmanship. This word workmanship depicts someone putting forth his fullest creative abilities to achieve something. God put forth his fullest creative abilities when he created you. You are the crowning achievement of God's creative genius. Nothing compares to you, not orchids, not diamonds, or the seven natural wonders of the world. You are one of a kind to God, and he made you. God created you in Jesus Christ, so that it would be impossible for you to have a life separated from Christ. Jesus is the one who is life, and we get to live in him because there is no life apart from him. And in Christ, we live exuberantly, fully, enthusiastically, and with purpose. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, this phrase, for good works, means that we were meant to excel in all that is good and useful. Now, your works didn't save you. His grace saved you. But you were created to excel in all that is good and useful. God thought about you before you were born and planned for you to be useful at your moment on earth. God prepared this beforehand for you. And he said, yes, that will fit Susan. Yes, that will fit Diane. Yes, that will fit Joseph. Yes, that will fit 
Deo. God thought about your life, and before you were even born, He had a list of good works for you to accomplish during your 10-year on earth. Now, this phrase created in Christ Jesus four good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, can fitly be translated, for whom he appointed glory beforehand and rendered them fit to receive it. You see, my friend, your life is a perfect fit for the glory of God to show off in your life. And the way he shows off is by making you good and useful. When God created you, he placed you inside of Jesus. You have the life of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, and the wisdom of Jesus for good works. Jesus has a list for you to accomplish. You know, when my five children lived at home, I could guarantee you every Saturday morning when they came downstairs for their pancakes, there was also a list of chores for them to accomplish on Saturdays. Practice the piano, unload the dishwasher, dust, call their grandmother, weed the garden, wash the windows, knock on their neighbor's door and be friendly, feed the dog, play with a sibling. God has a chore list for you to accomplish too. Let me tell you some of the things that are on your chore list that was created for you before you were ever born. There are people for you to pray for, continents for you to visit, missionaries for you to send, books for you to write, people for you to encourage, and children for you to love. There are inventions to be invented, cures to be discovered, songs to be written and sung, meals to be cooked, notes to be written, hugs to be given, smiles to be shared, and laughter to resound. There are walks to be taken, artwork to be created, diapers to be changed, sweaters to be knitted, holidays to be celebrated cookies to be baked, meetings to attend, and difficult people for you to love. And as you walk in His plans, your purpose will be fulfilled, the purpose of living and breathing in Jesus Christ. So what does your lifetime chore list look like? What are the abilities that Christ has placed inside of you in order to help you get the job done? God is looking for a few good men and a few good women alive during the 21st century who are willing to show off God's glory in their uncommon lives. Thank you for joining me today on the Jolt of Joy podcast. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email me at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. We love to pray for everyone who connects with us, so be sure and send me your prayer requests. I can guarantee you we'll pray for you. I'd also like to tell you that I have a new book that's coming out at the end of March 2022. It's titled, At Home in Your Heart. And it's a 60-day devotional that will take you straight to the heart of the Father. Your heart was always meant to be His home. So it's time for you today to prepare a place for Him in the treasure house of your heart. At Home in Your Heart is available on Amazon, at christianbooks.com, and on my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com. 
As always, I'm praying for you today. I'm praying that the joy of the Lord would fill your life and your heart. I hope that you'll join me next time on A Jolt of Joy.